I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest memory. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. The 2024 recruiting class. We got National Signing Day coming up this week, or I should say early signing period starts Wednesday. We are now number 42 in the 247 overall ranking, which is now your high school and your transfer together, or number 42. It should be noted that we only have 19 commits, which is the third fewest of any team in the top 50. So we this is a, a small class right now. Uh, Doug, before we get into anything else, should we expect any surprises on signing day? I'm not really expecting anything, but what do you, what do you got to say? No, I don't think so. Um, no negative surprises, I would say, <laughs> you know, that's, 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 what, you first, that's, that's what you first want to avoid, um, especially on signing day. Um, but I also don't think Tech is in on anybody. I know they were, were kicking around Mason Wade, the offensive lineman from who was a Duke commit. I can't remember if he actually ever officially decommitted, but I don't know. If Everyone's been talking about Mason though. Wade. Like yeah. that, that, that's been a big topic of discussion. You don't, it's not, um, maybe perhaps not trending in the direction to the Hokies. I don't, I haven't heard anything recently. I know he got the Clemson offer and I can't remember. I don't know. Did he ever officially decommit from Duke, or was it not that I'm aware? Was he just casually looking around? Someone in the chat can can correct us if we're wrong, but I I don't believe he decommitted. Uh, But anyway, numbers there are getting tight, at least from what Virginia Tech wants to do. Oh, we are definitely tight. Transfer portal, where it's are you going? You know, they've got three offensive linemen commits already. I think three or four in the portal era is about the max you want to take because you want the flexibility to, to take a Cunningham or the, the, the portal guys. So, yeah. And that's the thing is like, this class is actually pretty, very small from a high school recruiting standpoint. However, if you want to go to the average ranking of the recruits in the class, we are 30th currently in average recruit ranking. So a top 30 class for Virginia tech is pretty solid. I, it could be better, could be worse, but you have to keep in mind that Pry and the, and the staff is still repairing those Virginia relationships. And over the summer, we had our little hot streak, and that was fun. We did have a decommitment from that group, but that always felt a little bit. That was the defensive tackle. I can't remember his name right now, but that kind of came out of nowhere at the time, and then he ended up decommitting. However, Gabe Williams... Uh, Keelan Adams and getting Copeland in there, among others, Emmett Laws, Gerard Johnson. There's a lot of good guys in this class. I'm looking forward to signing day, making sure those guys sign on the dotted line. But to be 30th in average recruit ranking after a three-win year 
and now just barely a six-win year. I will take that for now, especially if you're bringing me key pieces to fill out what could be a very good 2024 season. And, you know, you win, it leads to recruiting. You recruit, it leads to wins, all, all that kind of stuff, chicken or egg. That's why I want to talk to you guys about 2024 right now. Doug put out his article about the projected 2024 defense, including our new commitments. I want to talk about that in a minute, but you did a data dive article on the five factors to winning, you, which is a Bill Connolly term. Rob, Rob knows that. And then a success rate article, which was really good. If you're into numbers or you're into data at all, you need to read what Doug is putting out because I don't miss those articles there. They are fantastic. In the defense article that you put out today, you kind of projected who we'd be and then you put, put out their PFF ranking and where they ranked within the ACC. I'll start with you because it's this is your business here. Do you see this defense being better when it gets to the end of 2024 do you see it being better than the 2023 defense uh at this point i'll say yes but not not substantially i don't think this is turning in you know this was kind of a wishy-washy defense for me you look at like the the success rate numbers that put out defensively were hot were better than i expected when that when i pulled them uh top 40 top 50 um, which tells you a little bit about like what how the season went that it was a little surprising. Um, we we know the issue with the with the big running plays um, that we saw all year is was defensive tackle linebacker related safety related um, and they're and they're upgrading there. So I think um, they're upgrading or at least adding more options there. Um, so I I think you you can see it. Um, at least staying the same, if not getting a little bit better. Um, bringing back strong and delaying at cornerback gives you just a huge luxury in terms of what you can do when you have complete confidence in those corners. Um, so I think that's a big boost. And I, and I defensively for Virginia Tech, as long as Brent Price, the head coach, like I think you have to be pretty comfortable that they'll put out a, a fairly decent defensive outfit almost every year. I think this year was the first year in Brent prize since, since he, since he went to Penn state. So since 2014, I think it was the first year they finished outside the top 40 in SP plus defense rankings. So like when in doubt, he's going to put out a pretty decent um, defense. I think people's helps like everything we've talked about. And, and then bringing back those two corners gives you a lot of confidence going into next year. The one thing I am also excited about is that we saw a lot from Dante Lovett. We saw a lot from uh, a little bit from Braylon Johnson, but those are guys they really believe in going forward. And so not only do you have strong back and you have Delane back, but you lose Canteen. Will if Dante, if Lovett continues to improve and gets out there more, will you really take a huge step back in your defensive backfield french did you did you feel that way about some of the young corners that they that they played well yes i i loved love high school film and then when him and braylon johnson got on the field they didn't look out of place you know they weren't flying around you know tipping balls and making interceptions but they were in the right position they weren't physically being overwhelmed on any plays like you usually see with true freshmen. I think they can step in. I think that the biggest worry is if Pry plays a sub package, 
where you need to play one of those guys, can they play the nickel or do they need to play outside? And I think that they're probably going to see Lovett or Johnson. Johnson's probably more comfortable with the nickel, but see Lovett or Johnson playing outside and then either Strawn or Delane slip inside to play the nickel when they play, you know, more spread oriented uh, uh, teams. And I believe I saw an article and I, I feel terrible if I'm not citing the author, but it's escaping me at the moment that said that Strawn was playing a little bit of nickel in practice and preparation for the bowl to enhance his uh, NFL value. So that, you know, that situation may present itself that Strawn moves inside. And then uh, a name from the past, Dante Lovett becomes the Chris Hill uh, figure where Chris Hill would come in and when they would move uh, uh, Kyle Fuller inside to nickel and et cetera, the 2011 season. So that, that kind of uh, schema. But uh, I, I like those guys. I, I feel much more comfortable about the long-term prognosis for corner than I do at safety or linebacker, or, uh, you know, those, those other two positions. I'm with you on that one. I also agree just from a body type standpoint, like love it to me seems like an outside guy. I, mm-hmm. And I, I could see strong moving inside and being a great nickel. Like I, I like uh, it's weird because uh, even was it Kendall Fuller ended up being a great nickel in the NFL, but he played outside of tech. Like that, that's one of the few body type situations that I think went the other way, but I feel like strong could really be a good nickel if, if, if that's what they want to do, but love it to me seems like he's, he should be outside. Braylon Johnson too, I think should end up being outside as well, but, uh, but I'm not an expert. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave that up to coach Jones and what he wants to do in the back end. But guys, I want to talk about 2024 expectations and schedule right now. I'm going to add, I'm going to get blocked out by this, but that's okay. Um, I'm going to add the schedule for next year to the screen. And Robbie, I want to start with you. This there's been some talk that we should win eight games next year based on who we're bringing back the, the stuff that we're, we're doing in the portal. Um, even on some of the threads I was on today, people are saying, you know, we should really, we must win eight games. I, I don't like putting that ultimatum or that connotation mm-hmm. on it. I would rather put it that I think this team can win eight games. I think they could potentially win nine games. And that's the exciting part. How do you feel going into this season in 2024 and where the expectations for the fan base should be. Um, it, with, with everything that's now on the table and returning, I think that's fair. I think the, the interesting part of looking at the schedule is the transfer portal is still moving around. So this could change pretty materially, but the quarterback situation in the ACC in particular is changing pretty dramatically. And I think that is, if you're going to look <laughs> if you're going to look at two things that dictate whether or not Virginia Tech is going to put together an 8-1 season next year, I think it's do any of the schools on here that we don't expect to pick up anybody major pull a rabbit out of their hat um, is number 1. And then two is the linebacker play for Virginia Tech, which it was befuddling with the talent that we have and you know, Pete, you and I talked about it, which was like, do we have a coaching problem? What what the hell is going on here? Because we have guys like Lawson that looked lost uh, a lot of the time. So it, in my mind, eight wins is achievable on this when you have, you know, a school like 
Georgia Tech potentially bringing back, you know, one of the best quarterbacks that we're, we're you know, anticipated to face as it stands today. Yeah, it, it that is a great point in that when you go through the schedule and you're thinking about who you're going to play, well, Marshall, the, the quarterback we faced last year is not going to be there next year. And you could go through a number of these teams. And even when you start the year out, like UVA, we did our previews over the summer, Rob, and it's like, oh, well, Tony Musket is this or this. It's like, we didn't face Tony Musket. We faced a kid that we, we didn't know that he was even going to be on the field. So projecting it out is difficult. However, you see the three, you see the six wins this year, and you get all these guys coming back. Doug, you expect to improve upon that win total next year, right? And do you expect that improvement to be – you look down the schedule, I know it's not in order. The first few games are actually um, actually in order, but after that, you know, this is from FBS schedules and they're not scheduled yet. Do you expect us to move to that eight-win plateau next year? Yes, I think so. I think at this point I'm definitely more comfortable with that after all the returns in the in the early editions. Um if you look at Tech's SP Plus rating right now, they're number 50 in the country. There's three teams on the schedule that are currently ahead of Virginia Tech. Uh, Clemson, Miami, and Duke. And I don't think we any of us expect Duke to be as good. No. Um, so so just based off that, you're looking at, um, a, you know, I think eight wins is probably pretty solid as a baseline for next year. Um in terms of looking at the schedule, that's a juicy four and start you're staring at. Um, <laughs> it's it potentially yes, and that that is the thing. And then Stanford, not not the best team coming into the ACC, and then like you guys talked about the uncertainty um, at quarterback the rest of the way. Duke might bring in Malik Murphy from t- Texas. Um, I don't know if that's done, but it sounds. What do you like think about Kyle McCord heading over to Syracuse? McCord to Syracuse is interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't well, know. Robbie, they have Robbie the watched a lot of them this him. year. Yes. Yeah, I did. Um, I know I Ohio have... State fans were 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 fine with him not being their quarterback anymore. <laughs> they were very fine with, with that. But Doug, he was a five star or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know. Well, the thing about the thing about McCord, which is funny, is that he threw 24 touchdowns, but that's it. He didn't rush for any touchdowns. He had an incredible receiving core. I know that some of the guys were banged up. He had, but he has two first round picks in that receiving core, and he threw for 24 touchdowns and nothing else. I think Schrader was like one shy of that touchdown total. So my whole thing with that is like, if he throws 24 touchdowns with Marvin Harrison Jr. as, or it might've been 28, but whatever. If, if that's the amount you throw with one of the best receiving cores in college football. You go to Syracuse. What is the top line you could expect to throw? I, I, it's a new coach. We don't know their style that, you know, Fran Brown could come in and start tossing the football all over the place. But my expectation is however good McCord looked this past year, it's going to take a big step back with the talent around him under a new coach at Syracuse. But French, it, your expectations for next year. Well, you, you guys have known me long enough to know that every team scares the hell out of me until <laughs> Peck is up on the scoreboard. So I'll, uh, I'll throw a couple comments out. One uh, regarding Kyle McCord at Syracuse. Hey, Keldon Slovis was a five-star too. And 
Um, you go behind that offensive line, he wasn't as he's not as athletic as Schrader. Uh, you know, depending on what kind of changes Brown makes, and he's a hell of a recruiter. Uh, you know, Syracuse probably would have to be on my comfortable wins list, except it's in that damn dome. <laughs> I don't like that place. But, I don't yeah, like that, that place that, at all. <laughs> the only good thing about Syracuse is I met Don Mattingly there last year, and that's the <laughs> end of that. A um, couple of other notes, uh, Rutgers, Marshall, and Old Dominion. Uh, Marshall and Rutgers both ran zone read offense with almost no semblance of a passing game. Linebackers couldn't fit it, and that's why Tech lost those games. So that is dependent, even though Tech is – most definitely a more talented team. Uh, Marshall, their strategy to crash off the ends messed up Tech's offense, and then Rutgers kind of sat back and Tech put up yards. But if you're preventing the big play, can the defense hold up? Those games are a little stickier than I think we want to admit until we see those upgrades, till we get answers for those questions. And then Old Dominion, for all their struggles today and throughout the season, um, and Tech beating them, you know, in about as handily a fashion as you can get in a game that close. Uh, what they did offensively did give uh, Tech some troubles with the run game as well. So those those three are sticky. Uh, you know, the other games on the schedule, I think it's interesting. There's not a real dominant run team uh, on the schedule. No. Uh, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know go ahead. It is – Managai from Rutgers just announced. Is he coming back to Rutgers? I just saw. I just saw something that, like two days ago. But that would be the only team in terms of like just being a power running team that that would scare me. You look at these other teams, and you're right, French. Like I'm not. Who's Clemson going to have? You know they can, they will run the ball well because they're Clemson, but it's not. It's not something that people are fearing over the last couple of years. Um, although I did think they were better when they played the guy behind Shipley. Like I felt like he was a more natural fit for what they were trying to do later in the season. But, uh, but yeah, I, and, and listen, that was a little fun exercise. It, predicting wins and, and losses at this stage in the game is, is very difficult because you don't know what these teams are going out and doing in the portal for the most part. Exactly. But With what we knew now, if they don't get to eight wins, it's going to be very disappointing for the folks who – have really stepped up to the plate from a fundraising perspective, from a recruiting perspective. So now, now that you've got the you've got the Joes, you got to get them in the right place, and that's the challenge for the coaching staff. Absolutely, and, and guys, I appreciate you indulging me with a little bit of that because one of the biggest uh, articles that always hits on ESPN.com right after the draft is like the way too early draft or the way too early top 25 for next year. That's kind of what we did with just predicting the schedule for 2024 because it's just a ludicrous exercise. But I do think like French said, the fan base wants eight wins. I, I, I mean, we all want more wins, but the idea is now like we better win eight. And I, I don't, I don't love that, but I agree with it. Like, I think we should be leveling up and to bring this momentum that we have right now, so much of recruiting, so much of the way your fan base donates and feels about the program is all about momentum. And I'm hoping to continue that when we get to the military bowl. 
Before we go over some of that, I want to just talk about our sponsor, and then I'll give a chance for Doug and French to bounce if they want to bounce. But the 2D Pokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. Who doesn't love supporting a local family-owned and operating business? You know I do. I know French and Doug do, too. Uh, They were established in 1980. They offer full service, including major and minor repairs. They do oil changes, state inspections. They sell tires. They can rebuild your transmission. They can do just about anything. Uh, So head to McCoy's Auto Repair this winter for all of your vehicle maintenance needs. They can even pick you up and drop you off if you can't get to the shop from work, which is clutch. So give them a call. The number is right on the screen, 540-639-2933. And you can also find them on Facebook. It's very easy find. Just type McCoy's Auto right into the search bar. It'll pop up. Thank you, McCoy's, for being a sponsor for us for this season. We're about to turn over into 2024, but you are definitely the most legitimate sponsor this podcast has ever had, so we appreciate it. And just like that old hokey buddy of yours, McCoy's is a name you can trust. Are you guys good? Do you want to hang out for a little bit while we talk a little too lane? Do you, you can leave if you want to, but I do really appreciate you being here with us. I'm All good right, to hang out. All right, cool. All right. We will move to the military bowl. Wednesday, December 27th, 2 p.m. on ESPN. There has been a lot of two lane turnover on their roster and in their coaching staff. Willie Fritz hired away by Houston. He had been at Tulane since 2016. He went 54 and 47, was a very good coach for them. But along with him goes the defensive coordinator, the wide receiver coach, the DB coach. So their offensive coordinator, Slade Nagel, is their interim coach for this game. It was I was trying to figure out the last couple of weeks who's even going to coach this team. It's going to be Slade Nagel. This season, they went 11-2. and two. They were a very good team. They were trying to get into that New Year's Six. I was hoping they would, they would beat out Liberty to be that team, but unfortunately, they fell in the ACC title game to SMU, future ACC member SMU. And Tulane was ranked nine weeks this year. Rob, what did you see from their schedule that, like, was there much on the schedule that impressed you? Um, not, not particularly. And I, I would have to look if what, and you had kind of the letdown at the end of the year when, um, SMU it, it's here's here. I'm going to be very blunt here. It's hard to even look at what they did this season, given what's left in terms of a coaching staff and in terms of the quarterback, it almost doesn't, it matters for their defense because I think most of the defense is going to be relatively I think in intact from a player standpoint, but I couldn't figure out who's going to be their quarterback in this game. So there, there you had Pratt transferred on the, yes. this isn't a joke. So Pratt transferred Pratt, Pratt decided to, he's going to prep for the senior bowl. I think he's, he's going to, oh, sorry. He's, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. the prep. We go into the, then you have two injuries and there's somebody else that I think is also transferring. So are they at their fifth string quarterback? Well, what, what's, it is it is hard to figure out what they said in the release was that Kai Horton or Matt Abita is going to start the game. However, Horton's in the portal. And so <laughs> I, I, obviously you can still play in your bowl if you're in the portal, depending on your coach. Yep. Um, and in this case, Tulane <laughs> needs to take anyone that would be willing to play in, for, in the game. So I think it'll probably be Horton. I, I could I could be wrong about that, but if we want to talk about their offense, because you're right, I, I could say they beat Memphis. I could say they beat UTSA, which those are probably the two best ones. It doesn't matter. 
This 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 team is so different. Pratt's not there. Um, we did see Horton when they played Ole Miss and when they played Southern Miss earlier in the year. Uh, but French, did you did you like know about any of that? Did you see yes. that like he didn't play that well in those games? He he's an interesting character. He actually has some qualities that probably will stand out on film a little better than uh, Pratt, the starter who's departing. Uh, a little better arm, but he turned the ball over in those games. And against Ole Miss, Tulane was very, very competitive. And a lot of that is because of two two factors. Makai White, their running back, is a horse. Makai Hughes. Hughes, right? I'm sorry, Makai Hughes. I got I, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Makai Hughes is a horse. He is a really good running back. Very, I don't think he has the uh, get-to-the-edge speed of Tootin, but he has that natural running back. If you've got a hole where there's two yards there, he'll get four. You know, he's always squeezing forward, falling forward. Great leg drive. I loved him on film, and he's the only running back on the roster that really had a substantial number of carries. I think Pratt had the second-most carries for their offense. That's true. And two – Defensively, they do some really weird stuff. They're aggressive as hell. I think a couple of them are in the portal, but I believe they had six or seven guys that had over four sacks. And their leading sack guy was seven and a half sacks. Um, He's number six. His name's escaping me. But he's like 280 pounds. So they have a very big uh, defensive line. They bring pressure from all over. uh, And their secondary will absolutely knock you stiff. They're not always the best cover guys, but they will put you on the ground and painfully. So, uh, although one of those, uh, Kentrell Webb, who was a backup safety but played a lot, and that's the thing, he's in he's in the portal too. So, and and Doug, do you know? I'm looking at the guys in the portal, and and we we talked about Pratt, we talked about Horton, uh, Chris Brazell, their their wide receiver, who was their leading receiver, 44 receptions, 711 yards, and the tight end Bowman. Like those guys are in the portal too. You move to defense. It's DJ Douglas. It's a couple other safeties. Uh, Devin Deal, their their star defensive end. I think that's what French was talking about. Keith Cooper, Corey Platt. Do you have any insight on like how many of those portal guys are playing? Like, because I was I've been doing a little bit of research trying to figure out like is like Brazil's not playing. I don't believe and yeah. and and Deal. I don't think is playing, uh, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't seen anything like that other than that, like Rafi was saying, Horton was, he's in the portal, but now he's the starting quarterback. <laughs> potentially, <laughs> potentially. Um, Cause the other guy hasn't played at all. So if it's not Horton, yeah, we don't know what we're going to see from Abita. This is kind of like te- tech situation in 2021 <laughs> going to the pinstripe bowl. Yep. Um, Tulane is a better program and in a much better shape as a program that Virginia Tech was at that time. But like Todd Bullock played quarterback in that game um, once it was way out of hand. But like it was a bare bones operation. And, yes. Um, I can't even remember what the coaching staff was like at that point for Tech, but it's kind of the same thing. There's an article came out last week, too, that um, some of the Tulane coaches that were supposed to stick around for the bowl game got asked to actually not stick around um, after a little bit. I I presume because they were recruiting players on the roster um, to their new, I think they're joining Fritz at Houston. Exactly. I mean, it's, it sounds like it's been complete chaos at Tulane um, from, from the quarterback who 
you know, he waited until was it yesterday to announce he's entering the portal right before they started, I guess, military bowl practice. But everybody knew that decision was like up in the air for weeks. So I don't know. Oh, I've been was, waiting for the prat decision. Like, and, and then finally I just thought, Oh, well it's so close now. Like yeah, he's, he might, he's, he's probably he's playing. playing. And then he, he announces he's not. And so you would expect the coaches knew that, but based on all that stuff you just talked about, I don't know. And, yeah, and so man. I'm thinking most of these guys that are in the portal are probably not playing unless they've had a, a conversation with the new coach or the interim coach or whatever, but we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants. But I will say the line has moved to, I, the last I saw it was 10 and a half. Virginia tech is now favored on the line, but just from a scheme standpoint, if this team was at full strength, if, if Tulane was at full strength, Rob, I think this is a terrible, would have been a terrible matchup for us because they defend the run yes. really well. Yeah, their de- their defense would have been very tough. I, they were second in the nation in, with 25 turnovers. Uh, they had like a plus, I think a plus seven turnover margin. They had 17 um, interceptions this year. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> yes, if we want to play the hypothetical <laughs> world of if this team had stayed intact and the coaches were still there, this would be a really tough matchup um, because of their their defense and and for that matter their offense. As as French said, um, they have a great running back. Um, Pratt was was good. Um, you know, Brazil was was really good. They're all gone uh, except for except for the running back. And um, I I never ever do this, but like this is a game that. Virginia Tech should win by like 21 points. Um, if 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 you think if if you think that Virginia Tech's going to win eight games, if you're a believer that Virginia Tech's going to win eight or nine games next year, then there, I don't even. There's nobody left. They took the analysts, or like there's analysts that are gone that are already in Houston, and, and that's gone, the thing that's there's, really there's hard left. to factor in is that that turnover at that coaching position and how that affects the rooms. You. We can't say. However, even if you were to take off all of the important players that are in the portal right now, including the safeties and Devin Deal and 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 the quarterbacks and Brazil, this team is an 85-man team that was very good this year. They played at a very high level in the AAC. Now, I think if they were in the ACC, their, their record... Even the ACC, the lowly ACC that can't get into the CFP, their record would not have been eleven and two. However, I still think this is like their linebacker play, French. It's it's pretty solid. I feel like is it Grubbs and Machado, Jesus Machado. That's yep. fitting for for Christmas time. Um, Number ninety nine playing middle <laughs> linebacker. He had ninety eight total tackles this year. I mean, and a, a handful of tackles for loss, an interception in his own right. Grubbs was second on the team in tackles. I worry about our if we're if we're just talking about like I know what Rob is saying about we should win the game handily, but like my my Virginia Tech fear brain is that these linebackers are going to get after our run game. We're going to have a little problem moving the ball early on, and hopefully Bowen can open it up later because I do think the pass could be effective. Do do Doug? Do you have any commentary on that? Uh, yeah, I I have the same like. Uh, same deep worry that I think you you have, where like this is a really good team that is more than just Pratt and the wide receiver. 
Mm-hmm. And they've, especially over the last three years, I think two years, they're 24 and three. Like they, um, they know how to win. There, there's a lot more winning than just the guys that have entered the portal that has built up there. I'm, I'm still kind of leaning with Robbie where like so much has left where it's like hard to believe that they'll be able to compete. They remind me in an ideal world, if everybody was playing, they're like a little Louisville light ish in terms of yeah, quarterback. I, I agree with that. Pretty good, pretty good quarterback. He may even be better than Plummer. Really good running yeah, back. Better. Productive wide receiver. Um, tech struggles, tech struggled this year against teams that can teams that have a good running back that take care of the football and offense and against defenses that have a good run defense and make plays in the backfield. And that's, that's what that's ideal Tulane. That's what they do. So initially I was like, this, this isn't the right matchup for like what Virginia tech has had success against UVA and Syracuse and wake and Pitt and all those teams now though, like I don't are they going to be one dimensional where tech can load up on the running back and dare this quarterback to beat Dorian strong and Monsoor Tulane? The one, the one area I think you guys zeroed in on was the turnover margin and what they did. tech drones in particular did a pretty, pretty darn good job taking care of the football on the interception numbers. I thought there were some questionable throws that he got lucky that didn't juice those numbers a little more. Um, so Def- there's, there's no doubt about that. So there, he could have, there are all those like tips yes. and stuff. And some of those games, um, that luckily fell to the ground, but I think Tulane's defense probably translates still a little bit and are could give tech some trouble. The offense at this point, I don't think you can have any confidence in Tulane's offense competing with where tech's offense is unless the turnover position swings it. They were yeah. not scoring at a super high clip, even with everyone in there. And French, I wanted to ask you about big defensive tackle Patrick Jenkins. Do you think he he provides a challenge for our offensive line in addition to those running backs, uh, linebackers? Yeah, AAC Player of the Year, three hundred pounder can move. Uh, he he's good. Uh, you mentioned deal leaving and. Talk about a kick in the butt. I wrote up a – I was working on my film review and had deal in like three or four highlights and then he announced <laughs> he was going in the portal the next day. But interestingly enough, his backup had more sacks than him. Really? So, okay. yeah, Tulane plays a really weird defense where they line up in an odd front, like 3-4, uh, but then they flex one linebacker up like a defensive end, but he's standing up, and that was – they call it the dog. But that's Deal, and I think it's Darius Hodge is the name of his. Hodges, yep, up. yep. Yeah, and so uh, Deal was a little more effective at, you know, zone blitz stuff where he would drop off into the flat and into coverage uh, and then rush. Hodge is a little more one-dimensional. But I, I don't see the big personnel drop-off on defense, except maybe the safety position. Um, but if you can protect Hodge or if you can protect Kyron Drones, you'll – maybe get some opportunities downfield. But again, they're defensively, you know, the antithesis of Rutgers. They're going to keep you scoring a few points, but they're going to do it being hyperactive, aggressive around the line of scrimmage. And then their DBs are just trying to keep everything in front of them and hit you. Uh, that That's that's pretty much their defensive strategy. Offense is more of a crapshoot because of the quarterback position. I don't think Brazil's a big loss. Uh, he's tall. Uh, but they were looking more to Bauman 
who's also in the portal. And Yule Keith Brown was a guy who kind of jumped out to me. I think he had two or three catches in the ACC championship game. But he was a guy they were looking to to stretch the field. They don't throw the ball vertically a lot. I think Doug's comparison to Louisville is really appropriate. Uh, They're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They try to throw underneath. The biggest difference is I don't think that they protected Pratt as well as Louisville protected their uh, protected their quarterback. So there's an opportunity with the pass rush to, to get after whoever it is, whether it's Horton or the, the fifth string guy down the street. Uh, I think they have an opportunity to get after the, the quarterback, and that may end up being that difference in the game. Uh, I think 10 and a half, if I was a gambling man, would scare the bejesus out of me. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be Virginia Tech Rutgers in the bowl game 2012 level ugly, but I think it's going to be a pretty low scoring game unless Tulane just completely comes in with no plan and and it just isn't prepared to play. And I'm hopeful Tech is prepared to play, you know, but with so many, especially seniors on the defensive line, they're not going to get the number of reps in bowl practice that they would get. Uh, during a regular build-up week. So you never know. With with this bowl that really doesn't mean a whole lot of anything except it's a, a good time and uh, an opportunity to compete, uh, you, you always worry about those guys who it's their last game and they're not putting a whole lot of importance on it and how they're going to respond. Luckily, you know, Tulane's offensive line is okay. It's, it's Hughes is the problem. So if you can – you know, win some battles up front and contain Hughes. I, I think Tech's well positioned, but I don't think it's going to be a pretty. It's not going to be as fun a watch as I think some folks who are watched the UVA game and got really, really giddy uh, think it's going to be. No, I, and and bowl games are impossible to predict. And but I do agree with you on their offensive line. They they run block very well. Very few tackles for loss on the year, but seventieth in sacks allowed per game. And Horton, in his two games that he played and started, he took seven sacks combined. So uh, there will be opportunities to bring the quarterback down in the backfield. And if we could get a lead, any kind of lead, I think that would spell disaster for Tulane because they want to run the football. And if we could shut that down at all, like we we can take this game. Um, Rob, did you have any final thoughts on the matchup in general? Uh, Did you like a key to the game or – just echoing what we're already saying. (laughs) No, no, I, I, I will, I will see what happens. I I, I just, I don't, I don't see how you get a team of, I don't think you're going to have seven guys that take NLL NIL money. They wave off big school offers and come back to Virginia tech and then mail in a bowl game. So Mm -hmm. I, that's just my guess. Um, this is there. This is goes back to um, the you that where I said it wasn't just the NIL money. It wasn't just um, you know the coaching staff and building the vision. It was kind of all of it coming together. And in that part of that is also I think the players have to come together. Like those four wide receivers have to be cool with the fact that there's now four wide receivers that are like we said taking snaps next year. That takes a level of one either. This is the start of the tryout or who's going to be the starting, you know, wide receivers next year. Um, This is where you're going to start to kind of peg those numbers knowing now that Jennings is coming back in particular. So um, they could come out and play flat and um, that could be possible. It would be counter to 
I guess, what they just did. Because if you, if you really didn't want to come out and punch somebody in the nose in a game like this, then the smarter move would have been to change jobs. And you always get paid more by changing jobs than you do for staying at the same job. And <laughs> you, you should have changed jobs. Like, Tootin would have made more money going to a different school than whatever he got paid here. I can, that's absolutely true. I mean, that's, you that's what you're seeing with the NIL moves that they're happening now. That's why so many people are transferring. Like you, somebody else, you are always going to be valued more changing jobs than you are going to be getting a raise at your own. And that's what's happening in the business mind of it. So, you know, that's, that's what I'm banking on is those guys want to come out and kind of set a tone for what next year could look like. Uh, and that's maybe why they came back. Especially to improve you, their stock too. It, to improve their stock to to show what they're going to be made of for next year and all that. And you're right, the cohesion of our coaching staff, the momentum that we've built, and bringing all these guys back, running it back for 2024, as they say, you can't come out flat. You better come out and you better kick some butt against a shell of a two lane staff. If nothing else, you could say team. I don't know exactly who's going to be playing for the team, but I think a lot of those portal guys will not be playing. Even our portal guys, a lot of them are playing. Like I know Daquan Wright isn't, but like Canteen is because that's the kind of this is what Clemson when when remember when Clemson brought back Travis Intian and it was like, why are you coming back to school? It's one, he got a bag of money, I'm sure. But for for <laughs> but for another, like he could have got a bag of money in the NFL. He decided to come back and like there is something to be said for whatever that coaching staff is selling and that momentum and that that team first mentality that should play out on the field. It should. And we should go out in a game where we have fan support. This isn't going to be an empty stadium. It's going to be full of Hokies and freaking put the beat down. We That's what we should do. Uh, I'm also two, two, I'm also two, two, here for it to go the opposite way because it'll make an awesome off season. If it goes really poorly, that is come on, like, we don't want that. It will be hilarious <laughs> because the the fans will lose their minds. Eight eight wins will suddenly have turned into three <laughs> if we fall flat in this game. Yep. T- two points. Um, number one, it's not the guys returning. I worry about it's we've named some of them: Kendricks, Pollard, Peoples, uh, Payne, who you know may have an opportunity to find a, a spot at the next level with his quickness and twitch. You know, when you're playing a team that's inside zone run like Tulane is and you got to stop the running back, you're wondering about the number of reps and the conditioning and stuff of your interior guys and your middle or your Mike linebacker is a little worrisome. So, you know, that's more of the senioritis thing. You know, I worry about those guys. I, I don't, uh, and those are all guys who came from the Fuente culture, which we found out, you know, wasn't exactly the most uh, stable, uh, stable uh, uh, culture in the background and didn't have the most positive attitude about playing uh, in meaningless bowl games. So, again, that's just I, again, I'm scared. Uh, every team scares me. And this was a good team on film, even with what they they took away. And I'll tell you, if you want to feel good during that game. If Tech does hit a couple of plays early over the top, and I think they'll take some shots to try to loosen up the defense. If they can take those shots and make plays, and I'm looking at Daquan Felton getting a 50-50 ball and winning it, so I hope drones can put one close. Their corners are a little small. Uh, maybe try back shoulder for the first time all year because they play a lot of deep shell. But if you can hit a couple of those shots off the bat, you're going to feel much, much better. If it's 
if the whole game's played within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, you know, it's going to be uh, East Carolina, Boston College in the dredge days kind of no. <laughs> mystery, misery walk kind of game. Rutgers against Tech in the bowl game, that kind of just, yeah, they may end up winning, but it's just pure hell to watch. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think we're setting up for that. I do think drones will have a. He'll have every chance in the world to have a strong game, whether it's running or throwing. I. I, I know this secondary for Tulane has some playmakers, has some guys that have put up stats. Keep this in mind. Tulane was passed on in terms of pass attempts, like eighth most in the country. So those guys had more opportunities to get passes defended, to get interceptions, because they weren't that great. And they, they were getting passed on a lot and they didn't even face like other than maybe Jackson Dart. It wasn't a murderer's row of quarterbacks in the AAC that they were facing. So I think drones is, is, is poised to have a nice day against this team. My, my counterpoint, and I apologize. I forget his name, but the quarterback for SMU was a backup. I think making his first start and he torched their butts. Exactly. Exactly. He, he was, he was good. I was watching that game going, man, I'm glad we're not playing SMU because I know that was a rumored matchup. And I started watching SMU. I'm like, where did Rhett Lashley do, learn to do all this? Stuff? He sure didn't do it at Miami. My goodness. Yeah. They, their, their recent games, they played well against UTSA, but Tulane was not strong down the stretch. And I think they, they can be had. And so I feel good about the bowl game. It's a little bit of an unknown as we've all kind of beat into the ground at this point, but it's uh it's a game I feel good about. Let's go out. Let's continue the offseason momentum. We're going to sign off in a minute. I just want to talk about a couple of bowl games, and then we'll close things out. The ACC games. We got Syracuse against USF in the Boca Raton Bowl. There's some other fun – like no, no one cares about that. Uh, GT against UCF, <laughs> Gasparilla Bowl, Troy and Duke. Troy uh, over a touchdown favorite because of what Duke's dealing with. UNC and w, WVU, I actually think that is very interesting. Um, both teams we we very much dislike, but WVU, six-and-a-half-point favorites in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Louisville, really? and, wow. yeah, yeah. Louisville and USC. USC, seven-and-a-half-point underdogs. Did you guys see that their backup quarterback just hit the portal, the stud? Um does that mean Caleb's coming back? What, what's what's going on? <laughs> like, is yeah, he? Is probably he probably means Lincoln Riley's a fraud, just like Lane Kiffin was before him? But that's a different <laughs> conversation. <laughs> fraud. Oh my God, I love it, French. I love Cliff it. Kingsbury with a better haircut. <laughs> <laughs> he did have he had a little bit more success getting some Heisman Trophy winners. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that actually means uh, they brought in like Will Howard. They're in the mix for all the top could, could be could be so yes. i think the writing is on the wall for that malachi oh, nelson yeah, i think fun. is his name yeah um yeah. that he's not he's not their guy right now for next year there's some other big lines so our line is pretty big 10 and a half right well smu is favored by 11 over boston college which is every bit deserved like that that's a hilarious matchup that's the fenway bowl so bc will more or less be playing a home game but eleven point favorites are is that uh, that SMU are they going to be playing a home game? Because... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. well, the so... same amount of people in the crowd might be there for that. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, and then Miami and Rutgers. Ew, what a what a nasty one. That is uh, that's the pinstripe bowl this year. Is I think they select Rutgers about every other year for that bowl because it's 
New York's one true team. Uh, (laughs) But uh, Miami is favored by one. Favored by one against Rutgers. And I have no clue. Here's a question. Who wants to be there less? Miami, Rutgers, or FSU, Georgia? (laughs) Of those four teams, (laughs) who wants to be? Well, that's funny because, yeah, that's the other big line. Georgia is 14-point favorites right now in that in that FSU game. I know, I know that um, one of Florida state's players, their key players popped into the portal, but that's huge. Like that's, that's really big is, do you actually think that George is going to cover that? Anyone can answer. Uh, uh, I, I can see it. I don't, I think this, yeah, I think this, I think the spread is that way because what they're banking on is nobody giving a shit about that game. <laughs> and then George is just like running the ball all over, you know, Florida State. They're, and they're also banking on the fact that when nobody cares about a game, the SEC team's going to care about it more than FSU, who yeah. just got, you know, just got washed out of a playoff. I think that's probably why the line's that way. It's so hard to gauge the motivation for both of these teams. Like in, in Florida State, Rob, you and I talked about it. Like if you go out and you win this game and you finish the season undefeated, like that makes a huge statement. They should have motivation for the game. However, they did all those guys have to feel so slighted after a month. Will they feel differently to go out and play really hard? That's probably why the line is. I think there's also a substantial difference in the quarterback play there from, from uh, Georgia kid Carson Beck to versus road to make road to make. They're running out there. Um, Yep, that's the issues the quarterback play. Florida State's got all the motivation, um, but you, again, you've got a bunch of five stars that probably live up to the hype and have had experience and win. So unless they're completely checked out, Florida State, what they did this year is amazing because you look at their recruit rankings; they hammered the portal and did great. But the guys are on the roster, you know, are three and four star guys. They really developed well and then addressed key holes and. Tech's following the same model, but talent-wise, I think Georgia is is ahead. That said, you know Florida State deserved to get in. Don't don't get me started on my sixteen play sixteen I'm, team. I'm with you. Playoff piece, I think but. I think Robbie and I both agree with you on that. Uh, Florida State got screwed, and but but the depth-wise, I think is what you're saying with Georgia and just the high-end talent. Like it is significant, and that's yeah. we're seeing that play out in in the spread. If Georgia shows up and wants to play, Georgia should win the game. Yeah, handily. If Georgia shows up with absolutely no interest in being there and Florida State has got a real burr up their ass about playing, you know, it could be interesting. But then the quarterback play becomes, you know, that that, that becomes the piece. Can Florida State get over the top? Uh, yeah, it's a little worrisome. But I think Florida State's going to be competitive as hell in that game. I think they're going to fight. I agree. So the last two games we'll talk about, and, and we'll just close it out. NC State against K-State. I actually think the Pop-Tarts Bowl could be very fun. Uh, I liked NC State. That game sucked when we played them. Uh, we didn't defend them well at all. I uh, thought a lot of mistakes were made. However, the NC State offense found a little something, and they got a little creative, and it got fun with KC uh, playing for them. And K-State's been a good team for a couple of years now, and I think uh, just it being the Pop-Tarts Bowl, that's weird. That could be fun. And then Clemson and Kentucky. Kentucky, four-point underdogs to Clemson. I think that's right. I think the matchup suits Clemson. Does the Clemson stock continue to rise, Rob? Do you think they can pull off that win? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, because it's Kentucky, I think that they'll, yes, I think they can pull off that win. I'm much more excited for the NC State, K-State game, uh, quite frankly, between those between yeah. those two games. I, I that, that game, for whatever reason, um, is what the bowl season is kind of all about. Like, that is a good matchup between two teams that I think will be really kind of fun. Evenly really fun. matched teams. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you guys have any final comments on bowl season or anything in general before we get out of here? The last thing I thought about was just going back to that Boston College home game <laughs> reference. You, do you have the kickoff time on that game? I don't. I don't have it written down. 11 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so be ridiculous. An incredible game. <laughs> hey, we're going to play this in Fenway um, and to really take advantage of the atmosphere, we're going to have a kick at 11 a.m. Bowl games in the north. That's a no-no. Bowl games in a baseball stadium, also a no-no. So we got we got two, and then and and it's in Boston, the farthest north you can basically go. I feel like uh, why do we have so many of these northeast bowl games now? Unless they get like a ton of snow, then it could be fun. Yeah, then well, I'm tuning true. in. Like if they get if we get like that uh, slosh game, like the Notre Dame uh, like slosh, which was rain, not snow. But if we get something like that. Then I'm all in. That would be awesome. True. The Army Navy in the snow is cool. Or that that bowl game that Miami played out in El Paso that it snowed that one time. Uh, that that was fun. But you're right. Like weird. That's just See, weird. I disagree with you on bowl games in baseball stadiums. You think it's good? I I'm all in on the weirdness. I think it, <laughs> for bowl season for one game, it absolutely leans in. Okay. It. Okay. I also I also love weird start times, which 11 a.m. definitely fits. Text 2 p.m. Wednesday afternoon start time is really weird. Um, Are you guys, either of you guys going to the game? Uh -uh. No. No, no, No. I'll be in Southwest Virginia, so. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I got some family things to work around. It's the Wednesday at 2 p.m. Like, (laughs) (laughs) if they'd been in Charlotte, I would have gone. Okay, yeah, and that's what a lot of people have said. Annapolis is close, and like I said, stadium's not as big as Charlotte, but – we will, we've sold out our allotment already. And I think there's only like a handful of tickets even left. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be tons of Hokies. It'll be a home field uh, advantage type atmosphere for us. And I have enjoyed my previous trips to the military bowl. I'm hoping to get down there, but thank you guys so much. Doug, for being Doug one, one last point, Doug, if we're going to do baseball stadiums, can we do them in the Southern part of the United States, <laughs> yeah. not in North, not in Northeast, uh, 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 baseball stadiums that that's really the problem. More South yeah. Southern bowl games more. Right. Like I know there's, a, there was a lot, but basically we need to reduce the number of bowl games anyway. I, I that, that's, yeah. that can be a topic for another day, but like, just, yeah. I, can we go to Tampa? Can we go to Orlando? Like, I, I don't like it's cold in Annapolis in December. <laughs> Honestly, I think I know the Bahamas bowl was in Charlotte this year, but why don't we do lots of bowl games in the Bahamas? Why just one? The Caribbean. Just let's like let's a get after week it. Week of games. Let's get some yeah. diplomats involved. Let's have a Cuba game. Let's just say. <laughs> As the resident old guy on the phone, you talk about games in the South and baseball stadiums. I'm old enough to remember the Peach Bowl being played at Fulton County. Really? Uh, wow. That's so, awesome. <laughs> back in my day before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, before uh, French yells at Cloud, we will call it a day on this one. Uh, French, 
Thank you. The key play. Make sure you're checking out all of his film reviews. He does a tremendous job. I assume you have your bowl stuff coming up. Is it out yet? Uh, yeah, it should be. It's in the uh, editing room and and should be out shortly. Unless anybody drops in the portal and we have to make more changes. <laughs> and Doug, you, I like I said, you put out your data deep dives. You had your uh, things on the way tech improved this year. I really love that article, the one about all the missed tackles and the yards after catch and everything. Um, Make sure you're checking out Doug's stuff on 247, subscribing to 247, subscribing to the Key Players Club, and subscribing to Too Deep on your Apple podcast feed. And until next time, go Hokies. <laughs>